Okay, David, is that coming through okay? Yesterday morning at the uh, prayer meeting, <clears throat> Fred challenged us with a word that uh, he'd had a sense God speaking to him um, about expectations. What are our expectations? And uh, <clears throat> I wonder what your expectations are this morning. 35 minutes, nice cup of coffee, go home, watch the Grand Prix or whatever. Or do you think that we might actually encounter the living God this morning? Is there, is there an outside chance? Is there a possibility that we might actually meet the living God this morning? Is there? Anybody there? <clears throat> Wouldn't it be wonderful if God actually spoke to us? Wouldn't it be wonderful if he spoke to our hearts, not your hearts, our hearts, this morning? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Because he's a God who speaks. We've had such a privilege of worshipping him this morning. But it needs to be a work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask that we just pray now. And we ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. We open ourselves up to him, to his activity, to his work. The doorway that was prophesied about earlier. Just a small way through. Maybe it's... uh, time for us to go through that doorway bring on the wall Father God we want to thank you so much for the privilege of worshipping you this morning we want to thank you for that sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit as we've worshipped you and Father we we come with hungry hearts Lord we're hungry to hear your word Father would you pour out your spirit upon us now that we could receive what you have to say to us Father The entrance to your word brings light. Lord, speak to us. And Father, change us. Holy Spirit, pray right now, come. Fill us afresh. Unstop ears. Settle hearts. Be still and know that I am God. As we continue our series, Matthew 6, lots of, lots of uh, different subjects that Jesus covers in Matthew 6. And there's just three which um, I believe the Lord would like us to highlight this morning. And I'm very grateful for people who've given time to pray and pray with me as we prepare towards today. I'm most grateful. Um, we need one another. <laughs> there's three themes that uh, I'd like to draw out this morning. The first is the secret place with Father God. The second is the challenge of unforgiveness. And the third is the kingdom of God, past, present and future. In half an hour, hallelujah. (laughs) The secret place with Father. In verse, uh, we're looking at uh, Matthew 6, And in verse 4, 6, and 18, Jesus repeats the word secret. Now, secret is one of those words that's been ruined by our current culture, isn't it? It's kind of, oh, have you heard about this pop star that had a secret relationship? Or or 
um, can you keep a secret? You know, we warn children about not keeping secrets. The word, the word has, been, has been kind of stolen. It's been, it's been ruined. But I think it's time for us as Christians to take that word back, to bring back the beauty of the secret place with God, the intimacy, the wholeness, the cleanliness, the holiness of that. It's a precious word. And Jesus says something absolutely staggering to these ordinary people on a hillside. He says to them that they can come to God as their father. Now that was, that, that was groundbreaking, that was staggering, because in the Old Testament there were all these different ways and means by which you could come to God. You had to be of a certain line, you had to be a priest. One priest could go in once a year to one area. The presence of God was a, was a very reverenced thing, so to speak. Various sacrifices had to be made to come into the presence of God. And we now know that because of Jesus, because of his death, because of his resurrection, he has made a way for us. That curtain has been torn in two and that we can come into the presence of the Lord. But for these people, this was radical. This was absolutely shattering that they could come to God as their father. It's shattering news for some here this morning. Even if you're more mature in years, you can come to God today as father, a good father. When Jesus had, had been raised from the dead by his father, there is this stonkingly wonderful verse in John 20, verse 17. Mary encounters Jesus, and Jesus says to her, he says, Mary, do not hold on to me. I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, Hang on to your hats, folks. I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus, with all this glory, had time with this one lady and said, he's your father now. Absolutely staggering. God is a perfect father. He's not an evil, uncaring, self-centered, abusive, early father. Earthly father, even through Jesus, if we've had a bad experience of fatherhood, he can set us free by the power of his Holy Spirit. We can know that pure love, that pure acceptance of a good heavenly father. So when Jesus speaks of what is done in secret or fellowshipping with our father in secret, it is a beautiful thing. It is an intimate thing. Is not a thing to be feared. Again, again today, Jesus is offering us a relationship with God the Father. Maybe you've been a Christian many years. Look around this room, people here <clears throat> have been Christians for many years. But when was the last time we took that quality time, we got aside with God, turned off the television, put down our Christian magazine, turned off our Facebook and just got before God and said, you're my father. It's time, friends, it's time to come before God again, not with a shopping list, but just to come before him as our father, just to sit with him. Wouldn't it great when Jesus took that water in the film, just poured it over that guy's head? No, wouldn't you like that? I watched that, I thought, oh, I'd like that. But you've got to sit still to have it poured over you. Let's come before him, not with a shopping list, 
but come before him as our father. See, King David, even before Jesus, he'd worked this out. In Psalm 27, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advanced against me to devour my flesh, my enemies and my foes attacked me. They will stumble and they will fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, yet in spite of this, I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. See how how David's perspective changed. He came into the presence of God. He sought God in that secret place, in that separate place. The enemies were still there. There was still all this stuff going on. And yet, He came to that place of security, that security before his God. And that was before Jesus. We can come before our Heavenly Father, come before him. We can sit, we can shout, we can rant, we can complain, we can talk, we can cry, or we can simply be still before him. That wonderful Psalm 46.10, it says, Be still, cease striving. Relax, let go, and know that I am God. When by his Holy Spirit, you get that glimpse that he is God, things change. (laughs) Things change, our perspective changes. A bit like when the the prophet, when when Elisha opened the eyes of the man and he saw all the armies of of the Lord around the hills, suddenly your eyes are opened. And we realise that more are for us than are against us. Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship. We can all pat that one off. But when are we going to spend that quality time with him and live like that? Make that a relationship. It's available today. The second area that I was highlighted, which I didn't want to do, (laughs) but I feel I ought to do it. Matthew 6, is uh, again, it's a challenge of unforgiveness. It's a big one. It says 6 verse 12, it says, Forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. <coughs> or for the normal amongst us, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Isn't that great? But if you do not forgive men their sins, God will understand and love you anyway. Well, he'll love you anyway. But if you do not forgive men your sins, uh, men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's, that's interesting. That's, that's in the book that we like. <laughs> that's a challenge, isn't it? You see, for some... The whole area of unforgiveness is such a drag anchor in spiritual growth and effectiveness. The starting point 
is that we are born again. We're a born again Christian. We're saved and we are loved completely unconditionally when we're accepted by God and his amazing grace. That is the start point. Absolutely fantastic. Yet despite that, many Christians find it nigh impossible to forgive other people. Bible's very clear. Judgment starts with the household of God. Jesus modelled forgiveness. He paid with his life. (laughs) Yet, we're so easily offended in the Christian world, aren't we? We're so easily offended and we hold on to our offences like our own little security blanket. Not speaking from experience here, of course, you have to understand that. Is anybody out there? (laughs) (laughs) You see, as as the years go on, as we all get a little bit older, we we suddenly realise that life isn't fair. Is life fair? No, life isn't fair. It could be overwhelmingly painful, overwhelmingly painful when you're hurt by a fellow believer. And it's not easy to forgive. But our starting point is always Jesus. If our security is in him and being in his presence, then despite the pain and hurt, we'll forgive. It's talking to Peggy around this subject this morning. You know that the, the more we see of Jesus, the more other things will just fall into perspective and our love for him will become the driver more than a lot of this other stuff. Let's ask a question. Uh, have we got any Christians here this morning? Yes? Any Christians? Oh, right. Has anyone here ever been hurt by another Christian? Yes? Goodness, a couple haven't been. Well, <laughs> Are you new to this church? <laughs> okay. Um, with every eye open and every ha- eye, head not unbowed, anybody here, on the whole, without meaning to, and not because you wanted to, have actually offended or hurt other Christians. You didn't really mean to, but it kind of happened. It slipped out. You said that comment. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I, I put my hand up twice. And leg and elbow. <clears throat> so, so we've kind of... We've, it's, 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 a bit like, it's, it's a bit like the end of the Adrian Plass book, where the guy who's an alcoholic is taking um, communion. Do you remember the end of the book? And they said in his hand, he was holding both his problem and the solution. Isn't that great? And, and, and uh, we... Um, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so we can cause offence to people. We can upset people. I've done it. And honestly, 99% of the time, I wasn't even meaning to. It was just a phrase, a comment, uh, immaturity... It was unfortunate, and people take it the wrong way, and then, as you know, the fun starts. So, sometimes we don't want to forgive people because we want them to be punished, don't we? They should really pay for what they said, stroke did, stroke thought, stroke said about me. But Jesus has paid the price, hasn't he? Philippians 2, it tells us, Jesus came as a servant. He laid down his life. He's paid the price. He's modelled. He's got such a. An, his attitude was just to give, and to lay down his life. And I think sometimes the reason we don't forgive is because we haven't died. We haven't died to self. 
You, you know when we baptise people, I've only seen a couple of baptisms here, open bracket, that's not enough, close bracket. I want to be deafened by the amen there. We want to, we want to see this open, don't we? Lord, we want to see this open. We want to see this open. And if they're really bad sinners, we'll do it in the sea in the winter. <laughs> But we go down and, and different baptismal services I've been to over the years. There's a confession. I confess Jesus is my Lord, you know, and, and I'm free from my old life and I confess my sin and I'm now going to be raised to newness of life and all these different sort of things that you can say along with people. And it's really good and that's really helpful. But when I've baptised people, you know what I want to say? Die! <laughs> Just Die! How many pastoral situations would be solved if we just said, look, just die. It's the flesh. Just die. Jesus paid the price. We are new creations. The old life has gone. Behold, the new life has come. Why why are there issues in my life? Because Julian won't die. Because the flesh wants its own way. The flesh wants to be well thought of. We need to die. <laughs> if not, we, we, I mean, that sense of injustice. How many people get a sense of injustice about things? I mean, the press, you know, the, the media doesn't help, does it? But this sense of injustice about things. And, and, and we've been wronged and, it, and it's not fair. And I rush off to my little place of, of insecurity and immaturity and feel sorry for myself and make sure I take as many Christians with me so they know how heroic I'm being about the way I was upset, offended, wronged, whatever. But we're dead, to, we're dead to sin and alive to God. We're dead to sin. Because people coming through those doors who don't know Jesus will see it. If we're dead to ourselves, they'll see it. They'll see us loving one another. You know, They'll see John's car parked out here on a Saturday afternoon. And he's out the back cleaning, cleaning out, guttering, stuff we never see. They're watching, they see. God sees what we do in secret and will reward us. Now, I know that it's really easy to say, (laughs) and I've had many opportunities to enjoy the pleasure of forgiving (laughs) folk. But it's so important to forgive from the heart, you know, to forgive humbly. If we're to mature as people of God, to forgive from the heart, and then it's gone. Don't hold on to it because our holding on to Jesus is so much more important than holding on to the pain. Because if I hold on to the fact I've been hurt, who becomes the centre? I do. Who should be the centre? Jesus. (coughs) You know what? The enemy then uses it like a bull of wool with a cat. He just pats us around, you know, making us feel better because we can wallow. But no, let's be Let's die to ourselves and become alive in Jesus. The word encourages us to think well of one another. Do you think well of everyone in this church? Do you think well of everybody? Or is that just that sneaky, sometimes comes out, that we don't feel one of one? Do we believe the best in one another? Ready for a trick question? Yeah, okay. How many people would like to see an outbreak of the Holy Spirit in Hern Bay? Trick question. Yeah, okay. Well, let's start with an outbreak of forgiveness. Let's start with an outbreak of humility and grace. 
Let's start by saying sorry to some people. And let's start by not even going to that person, just dealing with God and it not becoming an issue. How will they see that we love him? What does the word say? They will see that you love him when you do outreaches, when you do coffee and chaos, when you do barbecues on the beach. They will see that you love you when you do good cell groups. When we love one another, people see it. People see when we love one another. Just a practical note, sometimes we need, to, we need to adjust our expectations, especially on leadership. Our expectations can always be, why don't they dot, 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 dot. We can look at other people, why don't they dot, 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 dot. We just need to adjust our expectations, think one another, well of one another. We are all fallen fresh. Fresh? We are all fallen flesh. But we are redeemed sinners who by grace are now saints, and we're his family. Oh, it's so good. This feels very dry to me, but I believe it's God. The Lord's Prayer, um, 6, verse 9. It says, uh, My Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, okay, Ah, so I've been talking a lot about us individually getting before God and getting things right. And that's a good thing. That's a whole wholesome thing to do. But then Jesus goes on to say, our Father. Let me read you what, what Watchman Nee says. It took me a long time to translate this from Chinese, so I hope I've got this right. Lapsap. Now, I know that means rubbish because it's in Jackie Pullinger's book. This is what Watch, Watchman Nee says. Our Father. The interdependence of God's people is not just a comfortable thought. It is a vital factor in their life. We cannot get on without one another. Now, it's true that God has dealt to each man a measure of faith, but alone in isolation, man can never exercise it to the full, as the context of the verse makes clear. It needs a complete body to attain to the stature of Christ and to display his glory. That is why fellowship in prayer is so important. Trusting the Lord by myself is good, but may not be enough. I must trust him also in others. I must learn to pray on the basis of oneness with my brethren in Christ, for only together shall we get through in prayer to God's end. I need the help of the body because I need the help of the Lord and because his life is the life of the body. We need one another. Yes, we need the secret place. It's an area where Julia and I um, did quite a lot of sort of teaching and, and stuff over the last few years about the secret place, getting aside with God and so forth. And that is wonderful. And that is those few times it kind of, works, forgive the phrase, it's fantastic. One of the things we learnt when we came to Beacon is it's about us together, not about individuals having a great time with God and moving on, but how we blend together into a body. We spoke about um, Janet 
read the scripture this morning about the God of Jacob. I mean, who wants to be the God of Jacob? Have you seen the state of that bloke? I mean, what a, what a case he was. Genesis, probably starting around Genesis 26, running through to Genesis 33, tells the story of Esau and Jacob. They're twin brothers, and um, Esau is an hairy man, if I remember rightly. <laughs> but uh, Jacob is a right schemer. He's a del boy. He's a ducker and diver and so forth. And, and he's, he basically robs Esau of his birthright. And he goes off, and Esau goes off. He runs away, and they are just not in fellowship. Now, because God is so good, Jacob gets blessed. His crops increase. His family increase. He's thoroughly blessed, but all the time there's this unforgiveness. All the time there's this broken relationship that is there niggling away at the back. You know, maybe you moved here from another church or, or, or whatever, and it's kind of, it's good and you're involved and it's great and everything, but you're still in broken relationship with someone, with another brother or sister. It's still, it, it, it's, it's fine now, but it still niggles Away And Jacob was in that place. Then he heard his brother was coming to get him. <laughs> this is the DVD I'd like to see. And uh, Jacob knows, and he starts scheming, sending all these gifts and camels and sheep and so forth towards his brother to try and appease his brother, because his brother is coming, and his brother is going to kill him, because that's what he jolly well deserves. The Bible says two incredible things in, well, it says a lot of incredible things. In Genesis 33, it says, it was night, Jacob was alone. It was night, and Jacob was alone. Sometimes as a Christian, it's night, and we're alone, because God wants to deal with us. If you're in night time, and you feel alone, let God deal with you. He wrestles with this man of God all night. And, 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 and the Lord, angel of the Lord, wherever you're at, touches the hip and he limps. So here's this man who's always trying to manipulate things, trying to manipulate resolution with his brother and everything. And, and, and here he is now in the morning walking past his family to the head towards his brother uncertain death. In a place of vulnerability, he's limping. And his brother kind of comes towards him, drops his cloak and runs towards him. And you just know that Esau is going to get revenge on Jacob. But instead, he runs towards him. He says it falls on his neck and he hugged him. And he embraced him. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and they were restored. They were restored. After all Jacob did to Esau, they were restored. And again, this is up there in my top five verses in the Bible. Genesis 33.10. If you want to have a good cry before God, take this verse and ask him to open your eyes. That doesn't sound too arrogant. He'd sent him all these gifts. And Jacob said to Esau, he said, if I have found favour in your eyes, Accept this gift from me, namely the sheep and goats that he'd sent. And then it says this, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. 
now that you have received me favorably. I mean, that is astonishing. He was expecting to die. He came before him in weakness. He came before him with everything stripped away, expecting to die. And he said, I saw your face as one sees the face of God. I really believe this is a word for someone, maybe more than one people here. Stop trying to manipulate the situation. Just forgive. We sing that song, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. It's in G, you know, you can have quite a lot of fun with it. Uh, well, I've got, another, I've got another chorus. Weakness will overwhelm me when I come before the Lord, because that's biblical too. Strength does rise when we come to the Lord. Amen, Isaiah, it's the truth. Also, we can be weak after we've encountered God. Look at Jacob. He's, he's encountered God in a way which is phenomenal for that time, and here he is in complete weakness. Daniel, Daniel, this man of integrity, a man of strength, a man of integrity before the king. You know, he had these encounters with God. He saw these visions. And what happened? Was he stronger? No, he was sick. He was exhausted. I've said this to a few people before. Let's be careful who we lay our hands on if they're limping and looking sick. It might actually be that they've met with God. We need them to pray for us. We're programmed healing. I'd rather limp and have met with God. That's not a dangerous thing to say. You know my heart. He encountered God. He encountered, sorry, he encountered his brother and it was as the face of God. All the scheming, all the ducking and diving fell away as he hugged his brother. Let's forgive. Let's be done with justification, especially self-justification. Now, don't grab me afterwards and say, well, June, look, that's very nice, very nice word and everything else. But, but you don't understand because this happened to me and that happened to me. All we do is we trade stories. And I'll say, oh, but I was more hurt when this happened. You go, oh, no, but I was more hurt. Well, you never had a husband like that. Well, you never had a child. What's the point of trading stories? Let's pray. Let's just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I just hurts. Can I give it to you? <laughs> Can we talk? <laughs> God say, come, let us talk together. Let's not trade stories. It says also, forgive, you know, the, the, in the proper version, forgive us our trespasses. Now, this is an interesting one. It's a bit, one a bit on the go at the moment for a few of us. Recently, I had someone who trespassed on my land. I really felt angry. It gave me a stomach all churn. I felt awful. It was horrible. I, I ugh. It made me feel such a sense of injustice. And I know others within the church have had people trespass on their property, damage their property. It's a real tough one, isn't it? This sense of injustice. Who do they think they are? And, and it's just a sense of injustice. But here's an opportunity. You know, it's being t- this word is being tested <laughs> as we bring it. It's not easy. But let's just bring it to Jesus. This wasn't being recorded. I could give another subject. I could give another example. But let me tell you, we just have to bring it to Jesus and that old adage, lay it at his feet and try not to go back and pick it up again. It's not easy, but there is grace. Grace to help in time of need. Could it be that if you go back and you get restored with whoever, maybe you may encounter God? You may encounter God. 
See, Jesus goes on in this passage and he tells, he tells us, he said, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. How many people are anxious? I know I've worked with more mature people in my, in my work. Uh, get very worried, get very anxious about things. Anxiety, where does anxiety come from? Well, sometimes it comes from a sense of wanting to control things. I'm quite good at this one, you know. Anxiety floods in because you can't control that. You can't control how your, your son behaves. You can't control how that happens. And you get anxious. But Jesus, Jesus is very clear. He said, Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field. You know? Jesus just said, look, look at God's provision. God has provided all you need. You're worried about clothes and so forth. God has provided all that you need. Don't be anxious. Don't try and control it. He is a, he, it's our Father's provision that we're to enjoy. We're concerned about our needs, but Jesus just speaks perspective into it. It's all from him. So unforgiveness. Matthew 18, which obviously we'll be doing later on in the series, uh, 21 to 35, it says, we have been forgiven much. We've been forgiven so much. And Luke 7, 40 to 50, it says that forgiveness leads to worship, freedom, and release. Let's be free of this drag anchor of unforgiveness. And if it doesn't affect you, then hallelujah. Pray for others that they will be, uh, that they will be set free. Because it's a very releasing thing, isn't it? Ever been restored with people? You know, I've been on mission trips and so forth, and you've been literally in the middle of nowhere, maybe with one or two people that you'd rather not be with. Not easy. Wonderful people, you know, oh, Julian on the keyboard, he's so wonderful. Yeah, well, you haven't slept for 36 hours, you've been in the back of a truck for nine hours, bumping around, then you find out what's really in there. To learn to forgive. We have to be restored. Be restored. Because where there is unity, the Lord commands a blessing. Why is there no blessing sometimes? Because there isn't unity. We can have diversity in our giftings, our styles, our manners, our upbringing. That's fantastic. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But a unity of purpose. We're behind John and David rather than... That's unity. Let's be together. Finally, I'll do this really briefly. The kingdom of God, past, present and future. Really, everything that I've tried to share today, it's based on this wonderful phrase of Jesus. He's um, 6.33... Again, it's up there in my top, my top verses, which I now can't find. He says, you know, the pagans run after all this stuff that you're going for, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will come as well. Let's seek the kingdom of God first. Kingdom of God, Jesus' top priority, I believe. What is the kingdom of God? Well, it, it's a general thing. Psalm, uh, these are all in the notes, but Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. The kingdom of God is eternal. Psalm 145.13 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. 
The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. The kingdom of God is covenantal. The covenant. Oh, wonderful. Genesis and chapter 12 and chapter 13 speaks about this. Exodus 19, 6 says, For you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The kingdom of God is prophesied. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 and 40 verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. The kingdom of God is realised in Jesus. It says in Isaiah 49, 7, This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down because the Lord who is faithful, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. The kingdom of God is realised in Jesus. Others, others, the kingdom of God is present and future. I'll leave those for the moment. Kingdom of God is about God's rule. It's about God's reign. It's about his dominion. About five weeks ago, I, I, I read part of the book by George Eldon Ladd, about the kingdom of God, because at that time I thought that's what the Lord wanted me to share on. And, and there's some great stuff in there, but there's so many different... What is the kingdom of God? Is it the church? No. you know, It's about God's rule. It's about God's reign. I think the heart of it is, let's bring the kingdom of God into our lives. The decisions we make, how we live our lives, how we... How we um, um, live in the church, how we interact in, as our, as, in our families, what we do with our money. Let's, the kingdom of God, Father, let your kingdom come. It says, it, 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 Jesus encourages us. He said, pray, let your kingdom come. So the inference there is that it won't unless we ask. Let your kingdom come. Let's bring God's rule into our relationships, into, into, into our lives. A trait of the kingdom of God is being salt and light. We don't need to pray that we would be salt and light. Jesus said, as we heard last week, you are salt and light. Let me commend, if you missed Ollie's word last week, get the CD or if you've got it on the computer, get Ollie's word on salt. It was really, really good. I think a word of great encouragement to us as a church. And also, um, I didn't cover it today, but in the Lord's Prayer, Tom Shaw last week at City preached on the Lord's Prayer. Excellent stuff. Uh, it, it wouldn't, you can't do it all in, in one hit. So, um, can you turn off the recording bit of this now? Because I just want to pray, but I don't want to. Uh...